You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the 20th episode of Grab Them by the Pod. I'm your host, Kevin, along with your host, Jesse. And what an exciting week in Washington it was. You know, it wasn't just an exciting week in Washington. It's an exciting week here in Connecticut. I just came back from our local town budget meeting today. Uh, the meeting took about five minutes. But we passed the budget, but it's because the state can't get off their button past their budget, which is causing the trouble. So... You know, it's uh, there's dysfunction at all levels, whether it's federal, state, or local. Is that what is meant by trickle-down economics? I don't even want to talk about it. It'll just make me angry. So let's talk about something else that will make me angry instead. The Comey hearing. This is what we've been waiting for. I, I could say we've been waiting for it for the last week. We've probably been waiting for it from the moment that Trump fired James Comey from the head of the FBI – uh, first of all, let's start off with his opening statement. It was released the night before, and this thing reads like like a thriller novel. He documents everything piece by piece on all of the bizarre things that Trump did to him. Um, you know, Comey says that Trump wasn't personally under investigation, both in this and during the hearing. Um, but he did point out that could publicly that, that he didn't want to say that publicly because then you have to make a, a proclamation that it's changed, which led me to believe that it. It could realistically change sometime in the future, which is funny that the Republicans are looking at this and saying, like, oh, it's a good thing. He's not under investigation. But I, I wanted to add for now at the end of that. Well, it seems that all along, James Comey kind of had a feeling that the president would or might be at some point under investigation. I mean, he began to take notes very shortly after the president was sworn in as he started to have meetings with him because he felt uncomfortable by the entire situation of what Trump seemed to be expecting of him. So he kind of had this inkling that he should be documenting these things because at some point there might need to be an investigation. To quote James Comey on why he wrote these memos, he said, I was honestly concerned that he, meaning President Trump, might lie about the nature of our meetings, so I thought it best to document. So he's basically saying, I was worried this dude was going to tell flat-out lies, so I'm getting this down immediately. And, you know, we, we've come to expect that, I guess, with this administration in the last few months. But that's an insane thing to say, that the guy who was running the FBI had to write down what happened in a meeting because he was afraid the president was going to completely lie to the American people. That's nuts. Well, in normal circumstances, we would consider James Comey a little bit paranoid. But these are not normal circumstances. They say you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you, which in this case, I think they're really out to get him. He also said uh, when it came to uh, Trump saying that Comey lied, you know, those were lies, plain and simple, that the FBI was in disarray, that no one liked him. Because remember, I think it was Sarah Huckabee Sanders put out there that she's gotten lots and lots of emails from people at the FBI glad this happened. He's saying that's BS. And I think that's something we, we all agree with because anybody who has worked at the FBI has pretty much said what Comey said. They all like him there, and uh, they couldn't believe he was leaving. Right. You know, James Comey, aside from – and you put aside your issues, your partisan issues, if you're a Democrat and you think that he uh, you know, hurt Hillary's chances of winning the election, or now if you're a Republican and you feel like he's going after Trump unfairly – you know, either way, if you look at Comey's track record and his history of employment in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, he's been pretty much a straight shooter. He served multiple presidents from both parties. Who are we really going to believe? 
And I know people who may be fans of Trump or maybe lean a little more right. Be saying, you know, you guys said you're unbiased. You guys said you're down the middle, but you're just crapping all over the president. Well, again, you said uh, Comey is known as being a straight shooter. Trump, I'm not not we always say we're not against him just because of who he is, or what party he is. We're against him because of the things he says. He has a reputation with just within the presidency of saying some really crazy things, some things that aren't necessarily true, some things that are just flat out lies. So there is a reason why we automatically go against him in case like this. I mean, it's the boy who cried wolf. After a certain amount of time and a certain amount of lies coming out of the White House, you just, for better or worse, automatically assume that uh, he may not be telling the truth at all. Well, and the purpose of, or certainly one of the reasons for this podcast, is to hold our leaders accountable. We don't want to let some of these things slip by in the night and have people forget or not really have paid attention to what the president has said, because words do matter, right? And the intent behind his words matter. And we just want to hold him accountable for what he says and, and for the actions that he does. That's why we point these things out. And while people like us, I'll, I'll take the blame, people like us are freaking out over things like this. There is so much going on that's just not getting the attention it deserves. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's just uh, them kind of trying to make a smoke screen so that the other stuff can just go, you said, go on under the night when no one's paying attention. I, I hope not, though. Uh, you know, we're not, we can talk about this in, in the coming weeks, but like something like health care, the Senate's not planning really on having a hearing on that, even though they're writing the bill right now. That's ridiculous. But we're too busy screaming about Comey right now to really care about that. And you know, those things add up, and those are the things that eventually matter. Um, but it's a sensational news that drives everybody crazy, us included. You know, it certainly seems in these first months of the Trump presidency that this is his modus operandi. It's to throw a smokescreen so that the real important issues can be quickly slipped under the rug and passed through in the night while we're caught up in these other controversies. It's it's something that I think we have to work on, but it's, it, it makes good content for the podcast, I, I won't lie. Um, oh, it certainly does. So we know Trump is obsessed with the leakers. Uh, we, we've said it before, and we'll say it again, that the way tr- Trump looks at things, if if, a, if somebody finds out their significant other is cheating on them by looking at their phone, he's too busy yelling at the person for looking at the phone and not for the act of cheating. Uh, Comey said he gave the memos that went out uh, to a good friend of his who's a professor at Columbia Law to pass it along to a reporter. Um Trump immediately thinks this is, you know, it's a, it's an illegal act. He's a he's a leaker, 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 leaker. Um, but I think most experts are really saying that what he did was legal. Uh, Trump waived executive privilege by tweeting about these conversations. It, it's his biggest problem that he can't keep his mouth shut. He keeps talking about things, uh, and also executive privilege. It's a little vague, and it's not like attorney-client uh, privilege. It kind of has to be used proactively, not passively. So you would have to say. You can't talk about that. It's it's uh, executive privilege. You can't just after the fact go, he shouldn't have said that. It's executive privilege. Right. Executive privilege is the power of a president and other members of the executive branch to be able to refuse requests for information if disclosing that information would disrupt the functions of the executive branch. So this does include answering questions and cooperating with investigations and subpoenas. However, it's not something that's mentioned in the Constitution. Right. The Supreme Court has ruled from time to time that certain communications are protected under executive privilege, but it's not something that's concrete in the Constitution. So as you said, Jess, it is vague. And if the president's going to be blabbing away via social media, then he's waving his right to hide behind it later on. 
you hear a lot of people say, well, it isn't executive privilege or isn't against the law to talk about this, but you know, historically, uh, we haven't said this, or there's an unwritten rule. I understand where they're coming from when they say things like that, but you know, historically, presidents haven't been t- been contacting citizens like Trump does through Twitter. So, to a certain degree, you have to throw the unwritten rule book out the window and just look at the things that are actually down in black and white. Oh, Constitution, please say Constitution. Us. So. Where, where, does, where does Comey fall down on loyalty? That's what we all know that uh, Comey said that Trump demanded loyalty. Uh, in his written statement, he, he went really into this. It, it was really kind of funny that uh, you know Trump said that he demands basically loyalty and that Comey told him that you know, he'll get honesty from him. And that's what Trump said back uh, – what Trump said back was, hey, that's what I want, honest loyalty. He hears what he wants to hear. Uh, what does that even actually... mean, <laughs> honest loyalty? You know, it, it's it's kind of funny because I understand how, uh, how Comey was feeling. He basically said that he didn't really go into correct him any further because he just wanted to get the hell out of the room. So he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's, that sounds good, fine, and just got the heck out of there because, you know, it is an awkward – Awkward. Uh, you, you go to dinner with Trump, expecting there's going to be a bunch of people there. It's just the two of you. Uh, Trump says something crazy, and they just stare at each other for like 30 seconds. It's, it's. We, we already know that he didn't want to be left alone with him. So the fact that he was able to, to uh, tell him to be honest instead of loyal, I'll, I'll credit him for that because you got to think on the fly when you don't want to upset the president, but also don't want to agree with some of his crazy things. Or if you don't want him to hug you again. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine wanting to be hugged by the president. Now, you know, I, I saw this the other day. This is a total tangent, but when it comes you, you brought up hugging. I saw that uh, President Trump crashed somebody's wedding the other day. Now it was being held at Mar Lago. So does, do you think if you stay at Mar Lago or you have a wedding at Mar Lago, do you automatically like the president or are you just do it for the venue? Because I can imagine if I was getting married and the president showed up, I would be like Get the hell out of here! I, I think was it at Mar was it at Mar-a-Lago? I thought it was in New Jersey. Oh, maybe it was, resort. Oh, maybe it was just a Trump a Trump. Uh, it was at a Trump hotel, Trump uh, golf course uh, okay. resort. But still, Jersey, it's, it's I you know I so I guess if you, if you already had this all planned up, I mean you you're the one that's married, not me. Do you plan weddings more than a year out? How, how does that well, work? It, it depends. Some people are more spontaneous and they get married. You know, a few weeks after getting engaged. Other people, you know, my wife and I, we planned it out for a year and a half. So. If you had begun planning it before Trump was a, a true consideration for president, well, then maybe it doesn't have anything to do with your political leanings. Certainly, if it's been planned any time in the last six months or so, <laughs> uh, I would say that a lot of people you know, might have canceled their plans. You know, I talk a big game. If I saw Trump walking, I'd probably be like, oh, Mr. President, you know I have a podcast? You know, get it out. Would you want to come on? So uh, I love – because you know, Trump has said over and over again – or he hasn't said. He's implied that he has some kind of recording of Comey, which – and that he would the leak – The president it. was very clear. Yeah. And by the way, it's funny that like he's threatening to leak these things when he's pissed off at leakers. But uh, I loved Comey's response. He said, oh, lordy, I hope there are tapes. And we're going to talk about Trump's thoughts on these tapes in, in a few. But yeah, it's – Comey does not sound nervous at all about having these these tapes, if they exist, leaked. No, and it just, again, speaks to who are you going to believe, you know, if you look at the character of these two gentlemen. You have one that's a straight shooter who does not seem to be frazzled by this at all, and then you have the president of the United States who can't keep a story straight to save his life. So the question we've been asking since this broke a couple weeks ago was, did the president obstruct justice? 
Uh, Senator Jim Risch, he's a Republican, did ask, and you know, some of these guys were kind of leading uh, Comey to the answer they wanted. Uh, did ask if uh, Trump directed, quote unquote, directed Comey to drop the Flynn guest investigation, and Comey said, you know, no, not in those words. Uh, to me. It would it implied like a Godfather type thing, you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Like if you're sitting in the White House with the president alone, they just told your actual boss to leave, and he leans into you and goes, you know, hey Kevin, I'd really appreciate if you could do this for me, you know, it'd be a big favor. Uh, you know, I I I think that's that's him saying he wants me to do it, even if he's really just asking me. But again, Trump and a lot of Republicans are saying, you know what, he say he didn't he he asked he didn't uh, command anything, he's innocent. Right. And that's that's why we have issues at every level of employment with like a conflict of interest. If you have somebody who's in a position of power, you cannot wield that power over a subordinate. With the expectation that they do it to please you because you are their boss and you will hold that against them or you will terminate their employment later on. I mean, it exists at every level hmm. of employment and every job that there is. But why aren't we holding that accountable here at the presidency? Because you know, if the president does it, it's not illegal, right? That's what that's at least some of them think. Uh, you know, Trump's lawyer, Trump himself, Ivanka, the sons, you know, all the surrogates are coming out saying Trump has been vindicated. Uh, he's innocent. It's it's just ended. It's all good. Uh, Comey's the real thief. He's the real leaker. He's the one that's doing the illegal act. They're really trying to make him into the villain, and, it, and it's not really working, at least from what I've seen. I mean, Comey, you know. Whether you're pissed off about this or you're pissed off about what he leaked uh, or what he put out there for the Hillary memo, I mean, he's doing what he thinks is right. You may not like it, but I get no uh, indication out of him that he's doing things for a selfish reason or things that might be illegal. No, and and now that he has done this also with the Trump investigation, you know, it kind of further proves that what he was saying last summer or last fall about Hillary that he was trying to do what was right. You know, it may not have been politically popular. But he was trying to do what was right. Well, now it's kind of like, you know, doing it for one, doing it for the other. And you're starting to see that he really is just trying to stand behind the law. Speaking of what he did with Hillary, you know, good job, Bill. He basically said that he had to release the uh, the memo on that because of the Bill and Loretta Lynch thing when they were on the plane and talking to each other on the tarmac. Oh, Bill, you know, you, you, you know, I, I generally like Bill Clinton, at least as a president. But, you know, if you're not cheating on her, you're screwing her over and making her so she can't be president. But the the interesting thing that came out about Loretta Lynch, and, you know, she is a Democrat, so we're hitting both sides here, at least I am. Um, Comey came out and said that Lynch told him not to call the, I guess, I said, investigation into Clinton an investigation, but, in, but call it a matter instead. He didn't necessarily agree with it, but he just went along with it eventually. To me, that wasn't a good look for Loretta Lynch. I know they're trying to find a scapegoat outside of Trump, but I think, you know, I, I can agree that it should have been called an investigation. Right. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. If they were investigating whether or not the use of a private email server was anywhere outside of the law and, and what role she played in that, it is an investigation. We have to be fair. We have to be unbiased and, and call it like it is. And so I think that's what we do here. But, you know, I have to wonder, during the whole campaign, Bill kind of looked a little out of it. He's starting to show his age. Lost a lot of weight. The miles. He he lost a lot of weight, and, you know, it looked like he was half asleep, and he was chewing his tongue, and I don't know. He just didn't look good. So maybe he's lost a step. He's not quite as sharp as he used to be. Yeah, it's probably especially hard for a— 
you know, a guy like him, when you're when you're sl- uh, slick Willie, who the ladies love, and you can talk yourself out of everything, uh, w- when suddenly age really starts kicking your butt, which happens to everybody, it might be especially hard on him. Uh, you know, maybe he's not uh, pulling the girls' numbers from the audience or the interns quite as much as he used to be. Tell me about it. I'm feeling my age. I had to get glasses today. Oh, I, and you're, I, w- I want to see them when this is all said and done. I want to see. Uh, how Kevin looks like with it. Now, you get the like, corn rim glasses. You get like the Harry Potter type. What'd you get? No, I got some pretty, uh, you know, I don't know what exactly you call them. They're, they're wire rim. They're not, they're not too, uh, you know, they won't stand Spectacles. out too much on my face. But, uh, you know, at 35 years without glasses of any kind, it was kind of feeling a little down. I want you to be the first person to really rock the double monocle. I don't know why you wouldn't get glasses instead, but I think having two monocles instead of one pair of glasses would be kind of cool. Well, we'll start with these and see how it goes. All right. So that was all on Thursday. Uh, right? Yeah, come Thursday. Come Friday, Trump had a response. Uh, well, he was actually meeting with the Romanian president, Klaus Johannes, which if you saw me, I, I was at my uh, grandparents' house, and my parents were there, and uh, my dad thought I was an insane person. For some reason, I felt to, to the need to respond or to repeat everything that the Romanian president said in my best Romanian accent. I don't think it was really that great, but it probably came off like I was talking to myself. But anyways, while he was talking or having his press conference with uh, Johannes, he, of course, was asked about Comey. And the president flat out said Comey was lying, which means he's basically accusing him of perjury. Uh, that's, that's insane. He said Comey was lying when he was under oath. I mean, these are the things that are going to come back and bite him in the butt, I think, eventually, these crazy statements. Or maybe it's not, you know, he if it turns out he's telling the truth, I guess it's not crazy. But in my view, I think it's kind of a crazy thing to say. Certainly is, and you know if if he's not telling the truth. But then again, you know when have we ever suspected the president of telling the truth? I, I just don't know what to make of all of this. This is really like out of some sort of bad movie. Well, his response was so Trumpian. You know, I didn't say that. But if I had said it, everyone agrees it would have been fine. But I didn't say that. Yeah, okay. I, that that sounds like something I can really, really trust. Um, he also denied asking for a pledge of loyalty, which, again, that seems like a very Trumpian thing to do. That's why I believe it when I hear those stories. It seems like something I could agree. And the the kicker was he actually agreed – well, he agreed. See, it would never actually happen. He said he would 100 percent testify under oath about that stuff to uh, to Mueller. Because um, that seemed like a good idea. But is – if, if I don't, you know, I guess they can't compel him to do it, so it's easy for them to say it and then come up with an excuse why he won't do it. But I mean, is this where the perjury actually happens when he goes under oath to to special prosecutor, special counsel Mueller, and says this, and then they prove otherwise? Well, then one would imagine that would be the case, and it's not like he hasn't been known to, you know, perjure himself in the past. I mean, the, the percentage of falsehoods and mis uh, half truths and misstatements that he's already made. Uh, that have been proven by fact is is out of this world. So, oh man, this really is. This is this is like a book, yeah. a bad book. But hopefully, it has a good ending. We, we can wait and see. So he takes the first question uh, from the Washington Times, which is you know not the Washington Post. Uh, then they go to some uh, Romanian out, outlets, and then eventually he comes around and says, you know what? He always looks to the president. He's done this before when other uh, heads of state have come. You know, sh- should I call him someone from the mainstream media? You know, they've been so mean to me, so bad to me. Uh, you know, let- let's ask them, even though they lie fake news. And he calls on Jonathan Carl from ABC, and then he goes into a whole tirade about how, you know, he won the Electoral College. And it's very hard for – it's very difficult for a Republican to win the Electoral College. you got to win up the East Coast. You know, the same old talking points. He always does, you know, uh, 
backing himself up or, or pumping himself up. It's ridiculous. Anyways, um, John, Jonathan Carl asks him about the, the Comey tapes that we referenced earlier and that Trump always alludes to. And he told me, I'll tell you about that maybe sometime in the near future. You're going to be very disappointed when you hear the answer, don't worry, but sometime in the near future, which no one understands what the hell that means. What's the near future? Uh, why is he not telling us now? Is, is this all BS? What's going on? Even Republicans are calling, if you have tapes, Get them out. Give them to us. We want to move this investigation forward. It's it's so stupid. Well, for some historical reference, as I've been known to do on the show here, <laughs> you know, it's important to bring us back about 45 years in time. You know, between February of 1971 and July of 1973, according to NixonTapes.org, President Richard Nixon secretly recorded 3,700 hours of phone calls and meetings within the executive offices. And of course, most famously, there was one tape from June 20th, 1972, in which a conversation between President Nixon and H.R. Haldeman had 18 and a half minutes missing with no explanation. You know, we've, we've been down this road before. Let's pay attention and make sure that these things don't happen again. And I have no doubt, just like Nixon, that Trump has an enemies list somewhere where he's, he's crossing the names off as he tries to take them down, or more likely just adding more and more on every day. Well, we got to be careful, because the, the more critical we get, the closer we come to being on that list. Yeah, you know, that's that's the problem, that, you know, if we get the fame and success we want, we also have to deal with his nonsense. So maybe somewhere in the middle is really where we should land. Um, and then Trump on Sunday tweeted out you know, more crazy stuff that, uh, you know, he believes James Comey's leaks will be far more prevalent than anyone ever thought possible. Totally illegal, question mark? Totally illegal? You know, not, not totally illegal, totally illegal? Um, very cowardly. That's what he always does. He adds the question mark in there saying, I didn't say it was illegal. I'm just asking the question to my Twitter followers, even though he's the commander in chief and the head of the free world and could add his you know, the Justice Department, his own lawyer, if this is legal or not. It's, it's, it's so stupid. Again, I, I keep saying it's stupid, but it's just stupid. When you start to wonder who really is believing him, you know, according to a Washington Post-ABC News poll this past week, 72% of people trust Trump less than or not at all when it comes to the Russia investigation. So who is still believing what he's selling? Well, his disapproval rating uh, as of today or yesterday is at 60%, which you could say, wow, there's 40 people who still approve of him. I guess, you know, maybe they have no belief on him or no thought on him or maybe whatever. But 60% people disapproving him is way higher than any modern president. It, it's it's really kind of insane when you think about it. Uh, but that's just fake news, right? Right. Uh, the insane story that comes out of all – you know, just when you think it can't get any more crazier, it does – uh, yesterday, it leaked out that Trump might be considering firing Mueller. He wants to fire the dude who Congress put in charge of investigating Trump's ties to Russia. It's insane. This came out from his uh, close friend, Chris Ruddy. I keep wanting to say he's not crazy enough to do this, but I think we know he probably is. Uh, could you imagine Clinton trying to fire Kenneth Starr in the middle of that whole thing? No, because this doesn't scream unethical or anything, but... It's important to note, too, that Chris Ruddy, who's this close friend of Trump, is the CEO of Newsmax Media, and he's known <laughs> to be a, a hard conservative, hardline conservative. So uh, you know, how trustworthy is this information? I don't know. It seems to me if you are the president and CEO of a media organization, you're looking to make some news because it would benefit you. 
but we shall see what happens. It's, it's also been reported that he's had a number of you know high profile people and advisors telling him not to fire Mueller. Yeah, Newsmax is basically like a, another Breitbart. It's crazy. You know, you have the people like. Newt Gingrich, by the way, loved uh, Mueller's appointment to begin with. Uh, people of that and culture, people of their ilk, saying to get rid of him. But yeah, people inside, like Paul Ryan, people inside his administration, like, don't be stupid, you moron, to uh, to pull to pull a phrase from a from a movie. Um, no, it, it would be a bad look. Anybody who has any kind of semblance of intelligence in that White House is like saying, don't do this because it will look very, very bad. Uh, and things are already looking bad for him, so you can't throw any more. You know, it's it's only a matter of time before it's the straw that breaks the cam- camel's back. And I guess uh, his administration wants to get to that point a little later rather than sooner. Now, the question is, is who's willing to stand up to him? And then also, who's he going to listen to? Well, you know who's not willing to stand up to him? His cabinet. And you know who's going to listen to? His cabinet when they say the things he wants to hear. He had the most insane cabinet meeting yesterday. Uh, I, I, I heard about it before I saw it, and I thought it couldn't be this crazy. So uh, first of all, he says at this meeting that uh, you know never has there been a president, with a few exceptions, who's passed more legislation, who's done more than things that I have. Um, first, first of all, he hasn't passed a lot of legislation. He signed a lot of executive orders, and EOs aren't legislation. Um, health care hasn't passed. Tax reform is like a page long, so I haven't seen the legislation on that. Also, as CNN points out, you can't never have done something and then give exceptions. It either never happened or it has happened. So you can't say never has there been a president with a few exceptions. You can say there have only been a few presidents. But, uh, you know, it's I, at this point, I'm just uh, I'm just being a, a, a baby, I guess, and trying to complain anything he says. But it's it's so easy. Well, I'll say this. Never has there ever been a president who needed his ego stroked <laughs> yes. as much as this one. I feel like this could be a new drinking game of the ones we used to play back in college. Never have I ever uh, had a president who's been crazy. Drink. No. I, I, so after this all happens, okay, so that's that's not the crazy part, by the way. That's just me uh, laughing at, at, at Trump's own, you know, inane uh, attitude. So after this all happens, he goes person by person, cabinet member by cabinet member, and has them introduce themselves, give their position, and then they basically kiss Trump's butt. And when I say kiss Trump's butt, like, like, this has been a blessing working for you and getting your agenda by, um, you know, I, I want to marry you. Okay, maybe I'm pushing that a little too far. But that's basically it. I mean, Trump is the best. Trump is a leader. I love Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. That's basically what these people are saying. It, it It's basically like... They all had to kiss the ring, and I can't believe more of these. The the ambassador of Qatar actually just resigned because he couldn't take Trump, what Trump was saying. I can't believe more of these people aren't doing that. I mean, does, is being Secretary of the Interior more important to you than giving up, you know, everything that makes you you and kissing his butt like this? Really, it calls it into question, and, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit. Rance Priebus, right? His quote. I wanted to quote him directly. We thank you for the opportunity and the blessing to serve your agenda. Wow. Yeah, and and, and I mean, he's. <laughs> we're gonna talk about in a little bit that his uh, butt might be out the door pretty soon, and uh, it sounds like somebody who's who's trying to stick around because you know they know, they know the way to make Trump happy is to kiss his butt, is to tell him how great he is, how one, how terrific he is. Um, it, it's the kind of thing like, I usually do this my old bosses all the time. I would be like, oh, oh, Virginia, you know, you're the best boss ever. And they're like, oh, Jesse, stop it. You know, it's such, you know, they, they like it, but they, they obviously I'm BSing them with Trump. He'd be like, I am, aren't I? And, and, and give you a promotion or something. 
Right. Well, did you see your boy Chuck Schumer? He parodied, parodied Trump. Yes, you know, I, I've never really been a huge fan of Schumer, but I'm warming. The, my icy heart is starting to melt. It was pretty funny. He, he and his staff, I was trying to see if I knew any of them, but I didn't. But I, I loved at the end of the parody how like, they didn't just end it. They actually cracked up at the end of it and then put it out. How can you not laugh? This is all laughable. If, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. That's exactly the line I used at a speed dating event this weekend, and it did get me an email address, although I think she actually may have a boyfriend. That's a whole other story, though. Uh, we'll talk about that. That's that's a Kevin and Jesse discussion, uh, not a <laughs> podcast discussion. So um, so then that leads us to today. Uh, we had the uh, Jeff Sessions hearing. Um, I, I was going to write down notes on it, but honestly, it was kind of uneventful. I mean – you know, he said the, suge- the suggestion that he participated in any collusion was appalling and detestable and a lie. Uh, he also didn't recall a lot of things. You know, he didn't say no to – you know, I, I don't recall doing that. I don't recall that ever happening. And that's pretty much what happened in the hearing. The uh, the Democrats went at him. Sessions yelled at the Democrats for uh, basically talking trash about him. And then some of the uh, more uh, conservative Republicans tried to kind of you know help him out and throw him a bone. Uh, so we, I, I guess it's kind of a letdown, but uh, this might be par for the course in a lot of these things going forward. That you're not going to find out as much information as you may want to. Well, as you said, it was pretty uneventful. You know, to me, what stood out is that he seemed, for as uneventful as it was, to kind of come out swinging in this very defensive yeah. stance, as most guilty slash defensive people do. Yeah, I, I had actually a, a call at work, so I, I missed his whole opening statement, but it went on for a long time. He had a lot to say, uh, and yeah, I, I, I saw some of the clips afterwards from the coach. He was just pissed. He was pissed at Senator Ron Wyden, who who I know, I actually think is a pretty nice guy, um, but he, anybody who, who caught them out, I mean, the fact that he plays stupid now in a lot of areas. Like, I wasn't involved in that. You're, dude, you're the head of the DOJ. You're the attorney general. These aren't crazy things to be asking you, especially when all this stuff is coming out. Um, but you know, he, he plays on the fact that he was a member of the Senate for what 20 years or whatever, uh, and, and tries. To, uh, the, I saw some of the some of the comments he was throwing back at Kamala Harris, senator from California. Um, you know, I, it was crazy. And, and you know, I I wasn't necessarily a big fan of of a presidential run from her because I like them to stick around a while, but I actually like her. I think she's got some chops. She's certainly making a bit of a name for herself in these hearings. So, hey, in 2020, we'll take all comers. Somebody that's got the potential hopefully rises to the top. Hey, yeah, only another year or so until some of these people start coming out of the woodwork, maybe even less. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. All right, so that's a lot of the big stuff that's happened over the last week, but there's, wait, there's more. Um, more on the Trump ban so we we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think it was actually last episode, that uh, he he wouldn't stop tweeting about the Trump ban or the Trump ban, the travel ban. It was going on and on about how yes, it is a travel ban and we need a travel ban. So uh, on Monday, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruled against it again, uh, and they said that the uh, the president in the executive order exceeded the scope of his authority, uh, and then they they actually cited his Twitter rampages. Uh, and and saying how that hurt his cause, and that's what people around him have been saying to him, and he doesn't want to listen to them. It's certainly, you know, it's surprising and not surprising that they would would cite this piece of 21st century technology. But you know, it's the new form of communication, and if he's going to go on these rants and he's going to 
you know, go behind his own advisors' backs who have been trying to dis- dispel all this and say, no, it's not a travel ban. If he, as the president, is going to come out and use social media to say that it is, well, hey, as Sean Spicer has already said, made it clear that this is official communication when the president speaks through Twitter. How many times have we heard Sean Spicer say the president's tweet speaks for itself? Well, and leaves it at that because he doesn't want to go into it anymore. Boom, look at his tweets on the travel ban. And yes, it speaks for itself. And uh, that's what ended up screwing him here. He's, his dream is to bring it to the Supreme Court. I think he thinks you know, all the other courts are stupid. The Supreme Court is going to pass it. I, I personally, at this point, uh, can't see how the Supreme Court reverses these decisions, especially uh, following how, how many different uh, circuits and courts have, have knocked it down. Right. It's happened in too many places now, I think, for the Supreme Court to then overrule them. But you know what? I think you're on to something. You called it Trump care a couple of times or, or Trump ban. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> if if we could call the Affordable Care Act Obamacare because it was his he was the champion of it. Why not call this the Trump ban? This is his idea. He wants him out. He doesn't want him coming into this country. Call it the Trump ban. You know, you, you have to when you're president, stake your stake your claim to the pieces of legislation you want to get through there or in this case the executive uh, executive orders you want to get through there. like this is congress didn't pass this thing he signed it so it is all on him uh it's called the trump ban from now on uh, although i think many many other people may just be hoping that we actually mean he's going to be banned from from the country which that is a travel ban i could get behind so um, a couple other things as we uh, start to get to the end of the podcast. So Maryland and D.C. are actually suing the president right now. They filed a, a lawsuit in federal court on Monday uh, claiming that Trump is violating the Constitution's foreign emoluments. Um, I never get this out right. Emoluments clause, a clause um, that pre- uh, prohibits the president from accepting payments from foreign uh, governments uh, without the uh, consent of Congress. This is happening, they say, through I mean, specifically his D.C. hotel, which used to be the uh, the old post office, which I'm kind of sad that's not uh, the old post the office old anymore. The old post office. Man, we had some times in there, didn't we? We ate in the food court down there. We went in the in the little, what would you call it, a tower up in the air and looked out into D.C. It was wonderful. It was one of my stopping points to take a leak whenever we did the old Cobbledon <laughs> Death March. Oh, yes. We used to walk all the way around the cap or all around the mall. And, yeah, there were public bathrooms. You know, there are none of public bathrooms on the mall. I've always complained about this uh, you know, Don's Johns, who is the prevalent porta potty industry in DC. Come on, get some get some more bathrooms out there. Uh, but the other thing they're really upset about is that uh, they're losing business. Uh, people are going to come and stay at the Trump Hotel if you're a foreign dignitary or for a foreign leader because that's where the president. Even though wink, wink, nod, nod, the president isn't isn't involved in it. Come on, it's called the Trump Hotel. Obviously, uh, he's involved, and obviously they're going to stay there. So they're pissed. They're going to be losing money on this. Well, the whole issue of the emoluments clause came up right after the president was inaugurated, and it was kind of a buzzword. It was in the news, and people were concerned about it. And then it's kind of fallen off the radar over the last few months because, as other issues have risen and become more prevalent, that one's fallen by the wayside. But this is exactly what we can't let happen because this is still an issue, and it needs to be resolved. It needs to be figured out, and the president needs to not be benefiting from his name being on a hotel less than a mile away from the White House. No kidding, foreign dignitaries are gonna try to take advantage of this situation. And given everything we've been discussing about Russia's involvement with our election, we can't allow other nations to get a foothold in this country to try to overthrow our democratic systems. 
By the way, I'm very proud of the way you were able to pronounce emoluments clause. I, I just it's one of those words I can't emoluments. Man, I, it's it's so tough for me. Well, you know, I guess you can't be perfect, right? Everybody we, has their we flaws. We all have our things. Yeah. Well, the most important thing that might come out of this is that uh, we may finally see. Trump's personal tax returns. Uh, it's one of the things they're, they're looking to see. You know, how much money is he getting from these foreign or uh, dignitaries or foreign companies? So, you know, I'm not holding my breath. We're going to see it. I'm going to stay tuned and see what might happen next. Wouldn't that be something? Before we go any further, why don't you guys take a listen to another member of the Ace Podcast Network? Ryan and Martin were just two everyday guys until they decided to start a podcast. This is the story of the Blood and Black Rum podcast, a weekly movie series where two guys get together to discuss the film itself, ranging from action to horror to giallo, sometimes even Jeff Goldblum, and also the beer and alcohol we're drinking that week. Find Blood and Black Rum podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. And follow us on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. And then uh, last, before we get to Kevin's corner, going back to our good friend Rance Priebus, you quoted what he said to Trump in the uh, cabinet meeting earlier this week. And why is he saying things like this? Well, one, he's saying it because he's in the Trump administration and that's how they talk. Uh, but two, uh, two administration officials and three outside, outside advisors um, have said that President Trump has set a deadline of July 4th uh, for a shakeup in the White House. And uh, if, if something doesn't happen soon, uh, Priebus might be out as chief of staff. And uh, I, 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 if I worked there, if I was Rance, I think, well, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Yeah, I would too. But there will be fireworks one way or another in Washington on the 4th of July of this year. Yes. Oh, and they want to bring back possibly Corey Lewandowski. Dude, that, that guy does not belong in the White House after all the nonsense that's gone down with him over the past six months. Now keep him out of the administration. Yeah, he'll punch somebody or push him if they disagree. You know, yes. You know, we've we've heard repeatedly that Sean Spicer is out. He's still there. So who knows what to believe? I really don't know what to believe when it comes to this stuff. Um, and it's it's not that this stuff isn't factual, but it's that Trump's opinion changes so quickly. He may say one thing and then an hour later change his mind. Uh, you just never know what what could happen. And, and Sean Spicer says. You know, uh, whoever is saying uh, or putting the story out there about Priebus uh, is a liar or that they're out of the loop. And that means that Trump uh, could have said both because Trump is out of the loop and uh, and he is probably a liar. So, uh, I mean, I, I know that wasn't Shawnee Spicy's intent, but, you know, the shoe fits. Well, again, you know, I've said it before on the show and, and I'll say it again. I, I believe that Spicy's been speaking in code. That he's been trying to clue us in to the truth and give us some fair warning of what the president's about to do and that, you know, maybe this is just an example of that. I think if you take the first letter of every word that he says in his in his daily briefings and then put them together, it's a it's a help me note. Get me out of here. Call the police. <laughs> All right. What do you got for us for Kevin's Corner? Well, Jesse, the last two weeks have brought up President Trump's obsession with loyalty. Throughout his professional life, he's demanded loyalty from his associates, friends, employees, without giving them much in return. The cabinet meeting, with its seemingly sycophantical advisors lavishing the president with adulation, is rather disturbing, given the actions of the 45th president. When the president is not loyal to the American people by showing disdain for the Constitution and rule of law, it is necessary for those in advisory positions to rein him in and keep him grounded. We, as a people, need someone in the executive branch that will stand up to the president regardless of the personal cost it might result in. 
If one willing volunteer would stand up in defense of what is right and what is just, democracy would thank them tenfold. Well, Kevin, I would never demand loyalty from our listeners, but I hope they stick around. I hope you guys can go to our website at grabthembythepod.com and subscribe to us because we don't want someone who has to be here. We want someone who wants to be here, and we know you guys want to be here because you guys are awesome and great fans. We love you. We we love you. And Kevin, I love you too. And I love you. I love everybody. Well, I would not love everybody. If you listen to this podcast, you know I don't love everybody. Uh, but yeah, go to our website, subscribe, uh, go to our Patreon account, maybe subscribe there too, why the heck not, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Kev. Later. Later.